This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub them ease. And we're back for another edition of the Onside Kick right here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop for all the best news and analysis in the world of the NFL. And it's Super Bowl week, Mark. We are finally here. The season is over. Yep. Our season is officially going to be over after this Sunday. We got two teams left. We got the Eagles. We got the Patriots. We're going to be previewing the Super Bowl today, and then we're also going to be taking a look. The Colts are probably going to hire Josh McDaniels as their head coach, so we're going to look ahead at that hiring, and then also we're going to dive into the NFL draft and look at best fits for Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen. But before we get started, a little housekeeping here at the beginning of the podcast. Number one, if you like what we're doing, love the podcast, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast link down below in the description. Number two, if you want to buy an MVP t-shirt, make sure to check the description as well. All the information to get yourself an MVP t-shirt is down below in that description. Number three, if you're on iTunes, have an iTunes account, make sure to go and give the Onside Kick a five-star rating. And last but not least, if you have not already, make sure to go check out mostvaluablepodcast.com. Bookmark it so you never miss anything from Most Valuable Podcast. But Mark, let's jump in. Let's talk about this Super Bowl. And this is a Super Bowl where actually also, you know what next next week is then, our official... It's us. The show anniversary. Yeah, the anniversary. It's the anniversary of the Onside Kicks. This is the last show that we will have for our year, and then a new one starts for the Onside Kick next week. But coming into the biggest game here in Minnesota, Super Bowl Lee, what are your thoughts heading into this game as we're sitting here on Monday night? It's an interesting one. We talked about last week. If the Eagles even have a chance, mm-hmm. not necessarily the Eagles, if, well, Nick, if Foles Nick Foles has could a chance. Un- overcome Tom Brady. And I, I know I brought up this point before, and I, I want to harp on it again because mm-hmm. I think this is really um, the best chance for the Eagles or the best case for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. It's that if you were able to beat the best team, or maybe not the best team because people are going to get down on Case Keenum, mm-hmm. but if you're able to beat the best defense in the NFL, you can go against the Patriots defense, which is mm-hmm. a good defense, but you can go against them. You've already gone against the defense that is better. You can do this one. The The hard thing really is just, I know you're going to bring up not making mistakes, but you have to take advantage of every opportunity you mm-hmm. get. You, you know, you really need to score uh, often. John Madden's here, you know, score often because Tom Brady will score a lot probably against you. He will, it's, it's really hard to stop Tom Brady. It's really hard to trick him, to kind of outsmart him. You don't have those advantages. Um, so he will go out there, and he will score a lot of points. Nick Foles needs to be able to do that too. But like I said, they already beat the Vikings. I feel confident that they're able to do that. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think this. a lot of people are going to come out there and say it's just a blowout. The Eagles are going to get completely destroyed against the Patriots. I could see it. I, think I don't this think game so, be, but I could see it. I think this will be a much better game than a lot of people want to give credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give the Eagles credit for because it's really not – these teams match up better than most people would think they do. Well, it to me it depends on, first off, for the Eagles side, 
it depends on for the offense what kind of an offense do we see are we going to see an offense that we saw at home against the falcons where you only scored 15 points and i believe all those were on field goals or are we going to see what we saw in the nfc championship game where you put up 38 points and you did it scoring touchdowns taking advantage of turnovers that your defense got for you. And to me, the biggest thing is, like you said, making everything from every opportunity that you have, um, you're right. And make If you get a turnover or if you give a turnover up, if you give Tom Brady extra chances, he will hurt you. It's kind For of sure. like it, it, it makes me think of what Brandon said when we were watching the end of the BCS National Championship game where he said in one year – Georgia and the Atlanta Falcons, or the state of Georgia, let the Patriots and Alabama hang in the game too long. And those are the two teams you don't want to do that. You made that mistake. Georgia made it twice in one year. The Eagles can't do that. The Eagles, to me, the defense has to come out, pressure Tom Brady. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Because Julian Edelman's not playing this game. He hasn't played any game this year. And Gronk is questionable. Now, do I expect Gronk to play? I fully expect He's to going to play. Yeah. However, if he does play, is he going to be 100%? Is he just going to be out there because it's like, I'm not missing the Super Bowl kind of a thing? And for the Patriots, just keep doing what you're doing. Like This team has the blueprint to win any Super Bowl that they are in. The only Super Bowls that they have lost are against the Giants. And let's be completely honest. The first one... Was be- they lost because of a freak catch by David Tyree that put them in a situation, them being the Giants, to win that game. And then in the second one they lost to the Giants, Tom Brady had a Hail Mary opportunity, could have hit Gronk for a jump ball in the end zone. Gronk catches that ball, which it was very close to being. That's a different outcome as well. So yep. in every single Super Bowl that the Patriots have been in, They've played close Super Bowls, and they've only lost two that were really close games. I think we got to be fair to the Eagles when we're mm-hmm. talking about the Giants uh, and just put it out there that, I don't know, could be an NFC East thing. You think so? Could be. Could be. Just I mean, NFC the, East teams can beat the Patriots. To put that to bed, the Eagles didn't beat the Patriots the last time they played them in the Super but Bowl. But Eli didn't start it. Eli started the curse, <laughs> and now the NFC East curse is here. It is real. It's alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's only the or it's only the Giants or Tom Coughlin teams. Yeah, too bad the Jaguars couldn't yeah. do it. So Tom Coughlin <laughs> thing that's ruled out. Uh, I mean, some people think the refs kind of screwed him there. So yeah, people like to say that a lot about the <laughs> Patriots. I think that these are interesting teams because mm-hmm. you have uh, a really good running game in Philadelphia um, versus one of the best passing games here um, in in New England. Mm-hmm. The passing stats for the Eagles are a little skewed because of Carson Wentz. Uh, that's not their quarterback right now. But it's very interesting that you have two teams that don't let other teams, or two defenses that don't let other teams score a lot of points on them. Well, on the flip side, they score more points than almost anybody, both these two teams. Mm-hmm. So they're both very similar in that sense. Uh, if... Philadelphia is going to win this game. I think they got to do two things. One, you said, of course, pressuring Tom Brady. You got to get that pass rush onto Tom Brady. Uh, when teams have been best against Tom Brady, it's because he has no time to throw the ball. Really simple, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, unfortunately, actually doing it is not that simple. Now, the other thing they got to be able to do, this run game has to be great for Philadelphia. This has to be an amazing uh, running attack. doesn't matter. I don't care who's got the ball in their hands. they got to do a great job because they need to control drives in uh, for Philly. They need to control drives in Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, in order to actually win this game because if you put it all on Nick Foles, I, I feel like he might crack. I feel like the pressure might get to him. I feel like he might be more likely to make a mistake. Uh, and, you know, I'm saying that as a, about a guy who just had a near-perfect mm-hmm. game uh, against Minnesota. Well, but I think he will, if it's all on him, I think he might end up making a mistake, and that'll be too costly. Well, the thing that I like that they did against Minnesota, well, I didn't like it because it was against Minnesota, but... I like it now is talking about the Eagles. After is, you wiped away the well, tears. For yeah. Nick Foles, well, yeah, there were tears. But I for Nick Foles, I liked how on offense, early on in the game, let's get him some easy throws, build that confidence. The Vikings did the same thing with Case Keenum. Let's build the confidence a little bit, get the confidence going. Then later on in the game, kind of, this is now going more so to Doug Peterson and his coaching staff, you got to pick your chances because – the Eagles can't play this game safe. You're in the Super Bowl. You're probably, like, this is a moment that should be cherished. And I'm going to get to that for the fan side for Philadelphia in a second. But for the players and for the coaches, don't be afraid to take chances just because you're in the Super Bowl. Like, the one that I'm thinking about is the play where Alshon got free, Nick Foles hit him for a wide-open touchdown. That was a huge momentum swing in that game for against Minnesota, this is one where if you have that chance against, to me, I'm going to say a weaker defense because the Patriot defense is nothing like what the Vikings were this whole season. The Vikings just had their worst game at the worst possible time. But the one interesting thing that I read four days ago that Colin Cowherd posted that's completely true when you think about it with the Eagles is he put... Philadelphia was rudderless two years ago. No quarterback, no coach, and a roster that needed to be severely tweaked, dot, dot, dot. And now they're in the Super Bowl. So the reason why I bring that up is now I'm talking to the fans here. For the Patriots, It's you're just going to do what you do because you've been in this moment so many times. But for the Eagles, because I know a couple of you are probably like, I hate the Patriots. We need to win this game. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the game. And I think that we're going to be now, this is a game that's hard for me because I don't want the Patriots to win because I don't want to see yet again the same team win the Super Bowl over and over and over. But also I would not like to see the Philadelphia Eagles win. I'm not going to be... Um, hiding that at all. But I think this is going to be the closest Super Bowl that we've seen in some time. I think this is going to be a game that is close all the way through and not like last year where one team gets up to a big lead, then plays conservative and allows the other team to come back and steal it from them. And that's the problem. I think we've learned that recently that if you, uh, whether it's last year's Super Bowl, Jacksonville just lost this game to the Patriots, uh, if you stay conservative in the second half, if you play not to lose, mm-hmm. you're gonna lose. You have to play to win all the way out, and you that's play something to win the game. That's something I think Philadelphia is gonna do. 
Um, Ricky, the over under is forty eight. You gonna take it? Yes. That going means over? 24-24. Yeah. I'll go over it's that all day. It's pretty safe, right? I yeah, feel I'll like go over that safe. all day. Like, I mean, you look at the last few Super Bowls that we've had. Last year's was over. I'm looking right now at the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Patriots. That one was over. Super Bowl 50 was, let's see, 34 points. I think you said 24 is the over-under or 48? 48. 48 is the over-under. So 24, that would be pretty sad. Yeah, I'll take the—what's the line? Do you have the line in front of you for this game? Not the no, over I under. Don't. I just had the over under. Okay. ESPN has the line at New England negative four. On a, on the Monday before Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, that's a pretty close line. Like it is. that is I think that if the if the Eagles are not the Eagles, if the Patriots win this game, I could see it again being a field goal situation, kind of like what we used to see with Adam Venateri kicking the final field Could goal, be. but this time it'd be Steven Guskowski. And to any Patriots fans out there who feel like maybe we talk about the Eagles more, mm-hmm. because honestly, let's be real. If the Patriots win this Super Bowl, not a single person in the world is surprised. No. You're we're expecting expecting to win. them to win. Yeah, we're expecting mm-hmm. the Patriots to win. It's really just coming down to the can the Eagles do an upset. And mm-hmm. it's an upset, but the Eagles are a really good team, and they have everything they need to be able to do it, but the Patriots, they've been here. They've done that. They can do it one more time because they're the Patriots. It's Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. The thing I relate it to on that side of where you said, like, the Eagles were expecting them to win it. Patriots. Is, well, the, the Patriots, yeah. where we're expecting them to win it. I relate it to growing up the Yankees in my childhood. Mm-hmm. The Yankees in the 90s. Every time they made it to the playoffs— it was just expected that they were going to win. Like, and you were shocked. Like, yeah. the year that Boston came back 3-0, shocked because the Yankees don't lose. Like, the, the powerhouse, which is the Yankees, does not lose. And that's kind of what you expect from the Patriots, Expect especially when you have the best quarterback of the league. It's kind of like Michael Jordan. By the last three finals, maybe the last two finals, we were all expecting him to win yep. that fifth and sixth, but the Jazz still had to make it a series. That's what the Eagles have to do. Go ahead and make this a game. And that's why, to me, the most important part of this game will be when Tom Brady and that offense are on the field and that Eagles defense is on the field. Because if that Eagles defense can do, I'm going to say, 75%, maybe even half of what they did to the Viking defense, they'll be in good shape. If they can do exactly what they did against the Viking offense, then they'll be in really good shape and could possibly win the Super Bowl in Minnesota. Well, I hope so because, I mean, you guys, Minnesota only scored seven points. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady only scored seven points. You better beat him. Well, and what I'm saying is more so I'm thinking about I'm going back and I'm harping on it because I always do turnovers. Yeah. Are you going to force Tom Brady to make a mistake? Are you going to force one of the running backs to make a mistake, one of the wide receivers to make a mistake? Because the longer the game goes and the closer it is, Doug Peterson has proven this year that he's a pretty good coach. But the longer this game goes and the closer it is, you got to give that edge to Bill Belichick and that Patriot team that they're not going to make a mistake when we get closer to the end of the fourth I mean, quarter. Tom Brady just doesn't. I mean, especially in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make mistakes. 
Um, so there's no reason to expect that this time he will. If you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you really have to force him to make a dumb mistake. And that's why part of me, I'm thinking you don't really, you can't count on the, the mistakes or anything like that. You can't count on getting an interception or a fumble. Uh, it'd be great if you could, but you can't expect something like that to happen. Mm-hmm. So what you got to do is you just got to hit him a lot. Just hit him a lot. That's really, as a defense, that's what you can kind of hang your hat on of, well, we might not be able to make Tom Brady fumble. We might not be able to make him make a dumb mistake, but mm-hmm. we sure can hit him a lot and make him uh, kind of flinch a little well, bit. And here's the example I'm going to use of not necessarily go out there trying to be like Peanut Tillman and punch that ball loose, but a little swing in the Jacksonville game that New England won two weeks ago is the Jaguars kick a field goal in the, I want to say this is the third quarter. They go up 20 to 10. That next Patriots possession on the third play of it, Miles Jack gets a strip, strip fumble. He gets the fumble. The Jaguars have the ball. And you're probably thinking this is where you make the Patriots pay. Put the foot on the throat. Choke them out. Don't let them get back up. What do the Jaguars do? Three and out, and they punt. New England comes down, scores a touchdown. It's a 2017 game. The Eagles cannot, and and I'm not saying they necessarily will, because let's be completely honest, I have a little bit more faith, even though I've doubted him the last two games, I have more faith in this Eagle offense than I do in the Jaguar offense to not go three and out after a moment like that. But that's the type of moment you have to, if you get a fumble, a freak fumble, and you get the recovery, take advantage of it. it Because every opportunity you have. Three and out punt, Patriots then go eight plays down. What was that? 86 yards, seven points, made it a 2017 game. Yep. Got a first seed versus a first seed here. It's going to be fun. These are supposed to be the two best teams in the NFL. And the one thing that I was thinking about earlier today is when they, they being the Eagles, when the Eagles had Carson Wentz, the thing that I told you, and I think this was during our who has the better chance to make the Super Bowl, the Steelers or the Eagles, I said the one team I would be afraid of in the playoffs was the Eagles. And I remember you saying, don't, you don't have to be afraid of the Eagles. I was like, but I am. Then Carson Wentz went down, and I was like, Woo! We do not have to worry about the Eagles. And Car- I told you, let me Woo! tell you about my man Nick Foles Nick over here. Nick Foles, man, why do we have to worry about him? Well, it's as good as Peyton Manning, so I'm not saying that. that I'm a true believer in Nick Foles, but mm-hmm. I will say in this game, I'm not necessarily going to be like I have been in the past and say, well, Nick Foles is in this game, the Patriots have it in the back. Yeah. I don't... I don't doubt it. I'm ready to... Uh, Make that pick? I, I think I am. I, I've gone back and forth mm-hmm. on it because there's a lot of me that wants to pick the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to tell I'm kind of rooting a little bit for the Philadelphia Eagles only because I like the underdog. Uh, if I don't really care either way for a team, I almost always will root for the underdog, obviously. Um, who doesn't love that? But when it comes to a Super Bowl and Eli's not there, I can't pick against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. It really, for me, is that simple. Um, and I do think it's going to be a close game. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that it'll be as close as, as some are going to believe. Uh, I do think one possession, but I think I'm going to really stretch out what one possession means You're here. You're going to say a touchdown. Yep, touchdown game. Uh, and I think it will 
come down to the fourth quarter. Uh, but 35-28, New England Patriots. You said 35-28? Yep. Uh, I am going to go with... I'm going with the Patriots to win. It's just what score am I going to pick? I think this is going to be a close game. Do I think the Eagles have a chance to win this game? I do. But I think I'm going to lean towards the Patriots at a 27-24. That's what I'm going to lean at. 27-24. We just get the over Yep. on the over-under. Patriots minus four. They get that. They don't get the over on that. They you get the push potentially for the line, I believe. But I think that's what I'm going to do. Twenty-seven, twenty-four. And the thing I looked up the last time these two teams met, the Patriots in this game are going to be wearing their white jerseys. Guess what jerseys they were wearing all the way back in two thousand four? Their white jerseys. So might not bode well. For the Eagles in this one. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. What are you thinking about this game? Who's your picks? And what's going to happen this upcoming Sunday for the Super Bowl in Minnesota? Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But Mark, let's move on into our next discussion. And we are taking a look at the Indianapolis Colts. And the reason why we're looking at the Colts is they intend to hire the offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, Josh McDaniels, following this Sunday, following a Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl loss for McDaniels and the Patriots. I want to ask this question just to start the segment out right. Can McDaniels turn the Colts back into winners? Well, I think he can. Um, I, I do believe it. And and I think that McDaniels is one of the hot coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. And him going to... Uh, to Indianapolis, I think really kind of gives me some faith that things are going well with Andrew Luck. He is healing. He is going to be ready. He's going to be out there to play. Um, you know, probably not day one of the season next year, but he'll be back. Mm-hmm. He is coming back. And I think this just kind of shores me up on that because you're saying the hot coaching candidate decided, yes, I am confident that I can go here. Uh, the one thing that I would say he missed out on in Denver, I mean, there's some other stuff too, but one thing he really, really missed out on in Denver, quarterback. He had Rand, uh, I said Randy Orton, Kyle Orton. Uh, it's because of all that that wrestling talk before. Uh, yeah. Kyle Orton. Before the podcast, Sean was in here. We were talking about Ronda Rousey, and then you and I continued to talk wrestling. So a little RKO for the from the uh, from the good old days <laughs> of the Attitude Era. Uh, but you know, they had Kyle Orton. They had Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. Would anyone call either one of those guys a quarterback? No. Well, I'm looking at it right here. 2009, Kyle Orton started 15 games. Chris Sims started one. 2010, his second year, Kyle Orton started 13 games. Tim Tebow started three. Yeah. Before Tim Tebow had the job then for more, most of the games during the John Fox opening year. But Although, when did, when did Tim Tebow come in? Tim Tebow came in that year. I think it was 2011 what, what was week? his rookie year. He would have came in week fourteen because it was thirteen for. Um, I don't actually, actually, I think I might need to correct that. Uh, I don't think he was there. Josh McDaniels wasn't there when he started playing. Josh McDaniels was there in twenty nine and twenty ten. Yeah, but I think he got fired before Tim Tebow. Okay, played. so he was he never played Tebow. 
But he was. But there. he got fired. Tebow was on the team then because he only um, he was uh, he only made it to I think week twelve, week thirteen. Okay, so he never played Tebow, but Tebow played those final three games. Mostly Kyle Orton was the starter though. Yeah, and the thing that I look at with Josh McDaniels is that Denver team. He didn't have a quarterback like Andrew Luck. If Andrew Luck is a hundred percent healthy, this Colts team is going to be back to a winning team. Like that first year that McDaniels was there, the Broncos were eight and eight and finished what? They finished tenth, ninth or tenth in the AFC playoff standings. Second in the division. Second in the division, but they were well out of the playoffs. And then the next year they finished four and twelve. Yeah. And that was the year he got fired. They finished last in their um division and were tied for the worst record in the AFC that year. And I, I think it's interesting to note as well um, that one of the things that McDaniels is known for in, in Denver is benching Brandon Marshall, mm-hmm. um, the the wide receiver Brandon Marshall, not the mm-hmm. other Brandon Marshall, who will be his, who will be or was on his team when he was in Denver, I believe, unless he came into the. Regardless, he the wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall, um, as we all remember, uh, I don't want to say he was. Like a like a hothead necessarily, but he got into dis- disciplinary issues, mm-hmm. uh, so he gets benched. Uh, and this is a you know a Pro Bowl wide receiver that's getting benched. So there were I feel like the the Josh McDaniels era in Denver was kind of doomed uh, to begin with because he had all the hotheads. Yeah, he he had some issues with with per, uh, player personnel. You know, he had some trouble with. Uh, of course, you know they had their quarterback of the future. Quarterback mm-hmm. of the future ends up getting traded to Chicago. You now have Kyle Orton. Uh, you know, there's it just was not a good situation. It was not a situation, a recipe for success. And I like to make fun of McDaniels because he was there during the time that Tim Tebow was there. And I just find it funny uh, because we all like to make fun of Tim Tebow a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, you just look at it and you're like, I, I don't think we can really count the Denver days against him. No, I'm not counting them against him because, I mean, although I use this as kind of an example, it's not an exact one of, like, Elway wasn't the general manager when McDaniels was there, but that season Elway was in talks to become the general manager was then in 2011. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Elway was like, hey, when I'm GM, I'm getting rid of this guy. And then the Broncos were like, well, fuck it, we'll just do it for you. The owner's like, fuck it, we'll just do it for you. And then they cut him out because they were 4-12 and that year with McDaniels. But, like, Kyle Orton wasn't a prime quarterback. You had the issues with Brandon Marshalls and, like you said, um, having to bench him. This Colt team, I believe, is in a lot better of a state in that sense than the Broncos were in. You have Andrew Luck, who went healthy, I would say— Arguably top five quarterback in the league. I don't think there's I mean, anybody arguing it. I know, but like there were some people like Brady. You put Brady, Breeze, Andrew Luck. Um, I'm trying to You're think. You're Rodgers. Rodgers. You um, might want to throw Russell Wilson in maybe there. Maybe Russell Wilson, Eli Manning. Some people would. Um, but arguably top five quarterback in the league a sp- would definitely be to me a tier one quarterback in the league right now. You have weapons for him, especially a big one in. T.Y. Hilton, who's um, good with him. The only thing that I think he'd need to sure up on that, on the offense, is the run game. 
Are you going to re-sign Frank Gore? Are you going to bring him back? Are you going to let him go? Are you going to bring someone else in? That, to you me, is to one something. of the questions. That and the O-line are two of the things you have to sure up because for the past few years, you've had Chris Ballard go defense, defense, defense to try to get this defense shirt up for the Colts. Hasn't been working yet. But. No, it hasn't. But let's be honest. When you don't have Andrew Luck out there, the defense is going to be out there a lot more yeah. than they should. Plus the injuries um, to the secondary um, I know Vonta Davis, he was supposed to come back and then didn't because he's like, I'm not going to re-injure myself for this team. It's kind move. of a situation. So, yeah. I mean, really the biggest hothead he might have to deal with is Jim Irsay. That's the only hothead that he'll probably have to deal with with the Colts. Yeah, and I think that th- it's a it's a tough battle for uh, McDaniels. He's got to go out there and get himself top quality defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's what he needs. He needs somebody who can just take that and build this defense up with him and kind of take ownership of that defense a little bit. That's going to be so crucial to success because this is one of the worst defenses in the NFL right now. And yeah, sure, they're playing a lot. Injuries were out there, but you know, Andrew Luck's not going to be out there day one. So this defense is going to get tested early again. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to build them back up, get them in, uh, into playing shape. I think if anything, you know, I know I've been saying that go offensive line in the draft, but part of me leans towards just go with Barkley. You know, draft your running back. I mean, nice and early. I was going to bring that up because there's an article on ESPN that says, um, could it's talking more so on the Browns. Could Browns derail Colts' draft plans of taking Saquon at number one? They certainly could, but I do. Th- I. They put it out there. We're drafting a quarterback. I think the Browns mm-hmm. are drafting a quarterback. Yeah, uh, you know the the Colts. If you take a running back, you pair him, and he's supposed to be the best one in the draft. You pair him up with your top five quarterback. When he comes back and he's healthy, you got you know you got receiving weapons out there. It's not like there's nothing for Andrew Luck to throw the ball to. Sure, the offensive line can get better, but you can start to start to piece some of that together too. Uh, I don't think this is a one-year and we're going to the Super Bowl kind of thing. Uh, But I definitely do think that when Andrew Luck comes back, this is a team that can make a big splash and Mm -hmm. start heading into the playoffs again and become this uh, annual contender that they were when he was there. Here's Right now I'm reading an article that's very interesting because on ESPN it says the headline of the article is Pressure is on Colts GM Chris Ballard with Josh McDaniels. And it's an interesting point because they mention how, according to um, Adam Schefter, that they're going to hire Josh McDaniels. Um, it says here the there will be pressure on McDaniels because he's going to have to be in charge of coaching the players, but there's going to be even more pressure on Ballard, who spent his first season cleaning house with the roster and analyzing the coaching staff. The Colts, who haven't been to the playoffs since 2014, must take a step forward after finishing 4-12 and this last season. Then they talk about his contract, but the interesting part, and you kind of hit on this earlier, Ballard is hitching his wagon to a coach who clashed with players and coaches during his unsuccessful go-around as head coach of Denver. He was 11-17 and as the coach of the Broncos before being fired halfway through the 2010 season. One difference this time is McDaniels won't be in charge of personnel decisions. That is Ballard's department. Here's the one question I have for McDaniels is we've seen already besides the, I'd have to double check on the Ram days, but so far 
he's been a head coach in one sit one situation. Everywhere else, he's been a coordinator or the assistant to yeah. the head coach. In most of those places, except for three years, he's had the best quarterback in the league in yeah. Tom Brady. So to me, I wonder if this is going to be a situation of if we're looking at McDaniels to where it's like, you know what, we're giving you the benefit of the doubt now. You're going to probably have Andrew Luck compared to Kyle Orton that you had in Denver. But could this be an issue of we're looking at this at the end of this and we're just like, man, Josh McDaniels, just not a head coach. He's a coordinator. You know what I'm saying? Like, totally possible. There are coaches that we look at to where it's like, man, that guy, he should just probably go back to being a coordinator because he is not fit well, the to hard, be a head coach. The hard thing, too, when you look at 2011, uh, it was a really bad year uh, for St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was the year where they were worst team in the NFL. Um, I believe that was the sophomore year for, for Sam Bradford. Uh, so it was not that great of a year. And then he ended up back over as a quarterback's coach for New England, offense coordinator for New England. You are a hundred percent correct. Bradford played 10 games. AJ Feely played, AJ Feely played third and Callan Clemens played three games. So it was not a good go around. You know, mm-hmm. it could just be one of these things where honestly you leave New England and things don't work out well for you. Well, I mean, and that's like, I'm looking at it of, yes, it's true that he won't have to deal with player personnel because that'll be on Ballard's department. Maybe that'll help with the clashing Certainly with players. Like, but you're still going to have to Clashing deal with, with players, you'll still have to deal with them. But to me, the worst thing is clashing with coaches. These are supposed to be the guys that... You are building a staff. You are bringing these guys in. Yeah. So if you've clashed with coaches that you've brought in before, that makes me very uneasy right now. And part of me, I'm going to ask this question is, I mean, they asked the question of is McDaniels a good coach or just a product of Bill Belichick's system in New England? The question I want to ask you is, Mm -hmm. did the Colts wait too long on the head coach, because we've seen throughout the whole thing, the Titans very quickly went for Vrabel, like very quickly got Vrabel. Yeah. The Giants pretty much, they did the Rams thing, fire their guy midseason. Now we're going to go ahead and do our due diligence. They mm-hmm. go and get Shermer. You see like Wilkes going to Arizona. All these pieces are falling to where the Colts are probably like, shit, we waited too long. we got to grab someone. No, I don't, think, I don't think that's it at all. I, I don't think that was it. Because originally uh, McDaniels was rumored to be the next giant head coach. Sure. Um, but they wanted an offensive guy. They want a guy who can work mm-hmm. with Andrew Luck, which I think, I don't know, I, I like the idea of going with the defensive guy. Personally, I said mm-hmm. that before. Uh, but I don't I don't blame him on this at all. Um I think what comes down for Josh McDaniels to me when it comes to clashing with players and coaches, he was in his young 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, this was, what, eight years ago when he got hired? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a long time. So he was a young guy then. He is now in his young 40s. I'm sure he has learned a lot. He's gotten back under Bill Belichick. Hopefully that's kind of showed him the correct way to deal with things. He could have been the young hothead who's like, I worked under Belichick. I know what I'm doing. I'm you know, going to tell you guys my way or the highway, and it didn't happen for you him. You know who's an example I'll use from the college side of sure. that? Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, when he was 
Tennessee, how he left there when he was at USC, got that head head coaching job at USC, didn't go that well, then goes and works for Nick Saban under him. Mm-hmm. Now he's at Florida Atlantic, and I know it's only one season, but it looks like he's, A, learned from his mistakes as a head coach, yeah. and B, learned some things from Nick Saban. So, I mean, there is, it's kind of a yin and yang, and no one can predict how Josh McDaniels is going to be as the Colts' next head coach. However, there to me, there is that question right now, especially in my mind, of will Josh McDaniels be that coach we look at at the end of this tenure in uh, Indianapolis and go, he's just not a head coach. It's totally possible. He's just not a head coach, and he's totally going to be just a, um, he should just stay to a coordinator because, I mean, you look at right now the last Patriot offensive coordinator to leave was Bill O'Brien. And I believe he left to go to college, and then now he's back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, look at how Bill O'Brien is going right now in Houston. This year, I kind of want to give him a pass because injuries on defense and injuries to your star rookie quarterback kind of derailed their season, but it hasn't been all sunshines and lollipops for um, O'Brien in Houston. Yeah, and I think that it'll be interesting to see uh, because the flip side of it, people might want to say, well, yeah, I mean, look at his success. It's been with Mm -hmm. Tom Brady. Yeah, well, the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, so, I mean, people might want to say that when he had a chance to work with Kyle Orton, when he had a chance to work with Sam Bradford. Things didn't go so well. So this will be a telling year, two, maybe even three years for Josh McDaniels uh, and what his legacy is going to be going forward. That's for sure. Here's a question I want to ask you, and this will kind of trickle into our next segment, is today we we got a tweet at Most Valuable Podcast from um, at 3RI3Adams, and he said this. He goes, he kind of asked about... um, the Giants, and he said, but on a different team, the Colts. Do you think Josh, being Josh McDaniels, could pull a, could pull a Denver and trade Luck and draft Tebow 2.0 minus Jesus and Allen? So what he's basically saying is that do you see the Colts trading Andrew Luck to try to say not for Allen, but we're going to trade Andrew Luck He's not 100% healthy. We're not dealing with that headache, kind of like what they did with Peyton Manning almost, Mm -hmm. and go with a guy like Josh Allen or any rookie quarterback at number three. No, I don't think so. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going for Erie in his Twitter handle Mm -hmm. uh, because of the like. Um, But I, I, you know, uh, I don't think so. To to me, you have Andrew Luck. You have a once in a generation quarterback, and exactly. it's interesting. And it's this is not the thing that I'm addressing when I'm saying mm-hmm. this, but I, I was thinking about this a few weeks ago. We've all just kind of forgot about how good Andrew Luck was. You know, when he was out there, he was a phenomenal quarterback. It was upsetting to many in the AFC or in football in general mm-hmm. uh, that they went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck over there in, in Indianapolis. That was just too good of luck. You know, it's going from, from see what you did there, right? It's going from <laughs> Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. It's yep. just not fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what the Patriots Tom were Brady supposed to do. Jimmy, go. I'm exactly. sorry. that didn't work out. That's what like they were I supposed to do. Um, you, you can't pass that up. I mean, I understand the fear because of injuries, and mm-hmm. maybe that's a thing, but you just can't pass it up. What are you going to do with Andrew Luck? 
in that case. You know, you're just going to trade him to another team who's going to be thanking you for the rest of their, you know, their franchise well, history like, because they got to then win a couple Super Bowls. I mean, look at Peyton Manning for a prime example yeah. where it's like Jim Irsay, oh, we're getting rid of him because of the next situation. Well, because but, of Andrew Luck. Yeah, but really, like if Andrew Luck wasn't there at number one, then they would have kept Peyton Manning. But yeah, that's my they point. got rid of him. And look at Denver. Thanks for the Super Bowl. Yeah. We got one. That's all. As long as you get one, it worked. Yeah, exactly. They're happy. Could have got two, but and the, the Seahawks demolished is, you in that first one. Yeah. The difference is that Peyton Manning was an old quarterback. Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck is still young. He hasn't yeah. even hit his prime yet. Mm-hmm. He'll still get to that in a couple of years. No, I'm on the same I'm on the same wavelength as you. You do not trade Andrew Luck. You keep him. Hopefully what you're banking on is that because Ballard is going to be dealing with more of the personnel choices for the Patriots. Yeah. McDaniels doesn't have to focus on that, can focus on the X's and for O's. Sure. We'll get a top five quarterback to work with instead of the Kyle Orton that he had to work with when he was in Denver and hopefully could get a Saquon Barkley because the Browns don't draft him number one overall to be the guy behind Andrew Luck in the backfield and give you a receiving back who can also run the ball. Before we move on to Josh Allen, though, any final thoughts about the Colts or Josh The only other thing I would say is I understand why some people might think that maybe Josh McDaniels will want to get his own guy Mm -hmm. and want to get his quarterback. Uh, But without a doubt, I think Andrew Luck was the selling point to be in Indianapolis because it's not anything Mm -hmm. else. Not, there's really not much else in Indianapolis where you're like, yes, I want to be there over anywhere else. You're telling me Jim Irsay is not the selling point? No, God, no. You get to work with Jim Irsay? I mean, that's a pretty good selling point. Am I wrong? If anything, that, that's that was the, by the way. that's the weighing of, oh, Andrew Luck, <laughs> Jim Irsay. Uh, I don't know. It was a tough battle. But, yeah, I, I think that this can be something good. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below. Can Josh McDaniels turn the Colts back into winners and what do you think of the Josh McDaniel signing? Let us know what you guys think. Down below, he hasn't signed yet, but it's pretty sure he's going to be the head coach of the Colts. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But, Mark, let's move into our final topic of the podcast, and we're going back to going back to the NFL draft. We haven't had a topic like this in quite some time, I believe, since our mock draft that we did, and we're going to be doing another mock draft in a couple of weeks. I believe it's February 16th is the day. We'll be recording that one, but we're looking at the 2018 NFL draft and we're looking at a prospect that we haven't looked at quite yet. We did the same thing for Baker Mayfield earlier. We're looking for best fits for Josh Allen, quarterback out of Wyoming. Kid just played in the Senior Bowl, had a really good second half in that Senior Bowl, but more importantly, the reason why we're bringing this up is over the weekend, the Baltimore Ravens came out, and this is um, at Albright NFL, Benjamin Albright, said, source suggests Ravens would be interested in Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen if he is available at 16. Now, it's funny that this comes out because I was just thinking this weekend, who's going to be the faller? Every single draft, we have a faller. We have a guy. Some might think, oh, Johnny Manziel. Some might think Brady Quinn. Some might think Geno Smith. Some might think Laramie Tunsil. Every year we have a faller, it seems. So this wouldn't surprise me if he falls to 16. But more importantly, I'll kick it off to you. Give me a team. Who is a best fit for Josh Allen at quarterback? This one's interesting to me. Um, 
Josh, uh, Josh Allen, I think definitely had something kind of he had no control over mm-hmm. really be a good thing for him. Um, you know, and and that was with with Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, there was the whole question for for these guys with the Senior Bowl. Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, which one of these guys is going to rise? Which one of these guys is going to fall? Baker almost didn't play. He almost he, didn't almo- play. he almost said, "No, I'm not going to play." And he, when he did play, he really didn't do much of anything. Mm-hmm. He didn't necessarily lower his draft stock, but he just kind of left it there hanging. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, yes, he had that rough first half, but he got back in the second half and really showed people that, you know, even with adversity, he can come back. He can still be successful. Josh Allen did a lot for himself. Baker Mayfield didn't do much of anything. So (laughs) people who are debating which one of these guys is number three, even if some people want to say which guy is number two, uh, I think that Josh Allen put himself, you know, easily above Baker Mayfield right now. Uh, And maybe that some people will be upset by me saying that, mm-hmm. but I do think he just put himself in a lot of GM's minds above Baker Mayfield, who didn't do really anything in the Senior Bowl. Then give me a team. Who would he fit with? What I'm going to say is, I'm going to say the Jets. Okay. I like him going to the Jets. Okay. Uh, and I know I think before I might have said that Baker Mayfield to the Jets, um, I might have had that or at least was thinking about it mm-hmm. in the mock drafts before. Uh, you know, I know that we want to say that Elway really loves him and therefore Denver because they're right before uh, right before the New York Jets. But I like this for the Jets. I think the Jets have nice receiving option, uh, options out there. Their defense, it's better than a lot of people think that this defense is. It's a nice safety net for him to be in, to mm-hmm. not have to be an amazing quarterback day one, but to kind of ease his way in. There's not really a lot of competition out there, but they could re-sign a veteran to kind of, you know, like I said, get that safety net so that way Josh Allen doesn't have to start day one. It can be a Mike Glennon type of situation of let him play until he sucks and then let the young kid come in. I think that could be something that would certainly work. The problem with the Jets is they need to kind of retool the the run game mm-hmm. uh, in order for a young quarterback to be successful. You had Josh Allen last mock draft. I had him at number four to the Broncos. You had him 13 to the Redskins. So that's yeah. where we had Josh Allen right there. The one team, and I'm going to go with my shock team at the beginning. After watching, because I'm starting to dive into the film a little bit more to in February and throughout the basically February to the draft going to be doing film breakdowns again so i'm diving into some of this film a little bit more in depth and with josh allen the thing that i noticed that he's really good at is play faking on play action he has a skill that i have not seen in quite some time of is did he hand the ball off nope he slickly kept it to himself and i know that defenses at the next level are not gonna bite on that as easy and are not gonna get fooled by that easy but you could trick some defenses at the next level sure. with those skills. The team that I was thinking of, and I know this is going to sound crazy because I mocked Mel Kuyper for making this pick in his last mock draft. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cleveland Browns thought about Josh Allen because you know what we just talked about in the last topic of, oh, what if the Browns go Saquon Barkley? What if the Browns are thinking to themselves, you know what? We like Josh Allen. Nobody's going to take Josh Allen at two or three. The Giants won't take him. The Colts won't take him. We could take Saquon at one, get our running back, then at four, get a Josh Allen. And the only thing that makes this 
not the absolute f absolute best fit is because I don't think Josh Allen's a guy you start day one. I don't think he is. I think he's a guy I if he sat the first full year in the NFL, I think it would be like a golf situation where he could come out second year and be a lot better. But I just think in my head, you want to be Hugh Jackson wants to be a run offense. So why not go and grab the guy at number one that's going to help you do that in Saquon Barkley? You get your running back of the future, number one. Then you go ahead and get the guy at number four with your next pick, barring the Giants or Colts taking him over Darnold or Rosen. However, the Browns would be happy with either one of those at four. You could then go and get Allen at four, a guy who is amazing on the play action, can throw on the run, the only thing that I kind of question with Allen is his accuracy and his decision-making. However, you can work on accuracy, and the quarterback guru that you have at head coach, the self-proclaimed quarterback guru, could probably help him on his decision-making. A dangerous thing for Josh Allen is that he's got a cannon arm. Mm-hmm. you know, And he's, he's a guy who trusts tremendous arm. arm strength. Yeah, he trusts that arm. Uh, and... You know, if he's going to a team where they're going to need him to be just this dink and dunk accurate mm-hmm. guy, uh, you're going to run it into some fit. trouble. Yeah. If he's going to go to a team where they're going to let him kind of unleash a little bit and let him sling it. Which could work in Cleveland. Let him be a gunslinger. I like that idea. And, you know, really, I think that even though people would kind of laugh at Cleveland, I think, for going that route, it's a very smart move. You get the best running back and you get the uh, the quarterback that you like. The dangerous thing for that is... Damn, is that a muddy quarterback field with Kaiser, who you just took last year? It didn't just, really work that it's well. It's just now, Kaiser and Allen in my mind. Then it's just Kaiser and Allen. Kessler's then pushed to the side. He would have to be, he but would. it's still it's still muddy because I mean it's not like you went out and you grabbed Darnold mm-hmm. or Rosen, the you sure fire thing. Josh Allen, who's you the drafted, project? Yeah, exactly. You drafted a guy who has a little bit of work going into mm-hmm. it. Um, it would be it would be tough. Here's another thing though to think about, and this is just me trying to sell this a little bit. Sure. All all of this is also predicated on them taking Saquon at number one. Yeah. Because that's gonna be your bell cow. Uh when Hugh Jackson came in, he said, We gotta run the ball better. I believe even like three games into twenty sixteen, he's like, We gotta run the ball better. How do you do that? You get the best player and the best running back in this field at number one. Also, I could just see it right now. Play action to Saquon, gets the defense to bite because Saquon will be good at the next level, and then you've got Gordon and Coleman going deep. Turn Coleman into that deep threat we thought he was going to be coming out of college. We know Josh Gordon can be that deep threat, and I can see it right now, just Allen lofting it up, arm strength all the way out to Josh Gordon for some big touchdowns. Sure. It's all, like you said, it all depends on having that good run game. You don't have mm-hmm. that run game developed. It's not going to work out for you at all. Let me ask you this. The team that we mentioned earlier, what if he does fall to 16? Could he be a good fit for the Ravens? I think he could because for the Ravens, he's not going to play for a while. Because you got Wacko Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco's there. Joe Flacco's not going to lose that job for a while. Um, The dangerous side of that, too, is Joe Flacco's not going to lose that job for a while. (laughs) You know, this isn't a Paxton Lynch. You drafted him so he could sit a year and Mm -hmm. then play. That didn't happen either. Uh, This is... 
that would turn into almost like a Jimmy Garoppolo situation. And Flacco's under contract for three more seasons. Well, he's under contract for, pardon me, four more. He's got 18, 19, 20, 20, 21, and then he's a free agent in 22. Yeah, so you're almost running into the Tom Brady situation with, mm-hmm. with Jimmy G, uh, which is totally possible. You can make it work. I mean, you have a 50 However, option. However, there is a potential out after 2019. Yeah. So you could go two years potential out, cut your losses, and go with Josh Allen if he's if you're seeing the hey we're going to get rid of you early rather than late. Yeah, and it's totally possible. I mean, who knows what happens? That you know, looking four years in the future, three mm-hmm. years in the future, even you don't know. Joe Flacco could just completely fall off the face of the earth. Um, not saying that he will. I'm just saying anything he is could. possible. Uh, so I really I think the Ravens is more of a. I think that comment is a. Yeah, sure. I mean, if he's there, we'll think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, especially I don't think it's if it's like too convincing. He's a guy that we've we've had mocked. I know you had him at thirteen the last one, but we've had him mocked top five, top five, top six, kind of of a quarterback. But that may be necessarily because of the teams that we got yeah. there. Not necessarily his. Not that he is a top five player. Mm-hmm. Just that there's like four teams that need quarterback in mm-hmm. the top five. What's another team that you are Cleveland? What's another team that you uh-huh. were personally thinking about? I know I threw the Ravens on you, but what's another team you were thinking? Hey, Josh Allen's here, pretty good. Yeah, I do like also to talk about falling back. I do like an Arizona possibility. Really? Cause I that's, do. That's one where I'm not really sold on it because he'd have to start right away. But the thing that I like about it is you have a defensive-minded coach mm-hmm. who's going to come in there with a defense that's already good. You make do it have David Johnson better. coming back. And then, exactly, run mm-hmm. game. You've got Larry Fitzgerald, who maybe is going to play next year. There's enough pieces there to where he can come in and he can be good to start off with. And I think having the defensive-minded coach is actually a good thing in this case because you know that he's going to have a good defense that will help him out, bail him out. There he will be the one that gives him plenty of time to work out there. Uh, I think that's a good benefit to have. Here's another one I'm going to throw out here. and like Arizona... You're talking me into it. Let me let me double or nothing you here, mm-hmm. or raise you this team. If he falls past the Jets, let's say he falls out of the top ten, falls past the Redskins. Let's say at fourteen, Buffalo Bills pick up the phone. Hey Green Bay, what do you want for your pick? Because we want Josh Allen. Buffalo would be a similar one. You got yeah. the, you got Shady McCoy there. You've got Calvin Benjamin as your number one wide receiver. From what we know, like, I get people are like, but Ricky, they have Nathan Peterman. Have you seen Nathan Peterman this year? I don't year? think a single do person think, said, Ricky, they have Nathan Peterman. Do you think he's the answer? Because I don't think he's the answer. Plus, we all know the Bills hate Tyrod Taylor. Yep. I want to get him out of town as soon as possible. What if he? What if the Bills traded up for him to either leapfrog sure. the Ravens or the Cardinals. I mean, I could see it happening if they trade up. I mean, I don't necessarily know that he'll get all the way back there. But, yeah, it's another good situation where he'll have pieces around him. Um, I don't know if I trust the uh, the upper echelons mm-hmm. in uh, in Buffalo only because of the way they disrespected and treated Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're going and getting the guy, they're probably pretty happy with him and Josh Allen. So he'll probably have a better luck of it. Uh all this guy really needs is a good running back and hopefully a good wide receiver to throw the ball to, mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to let him out there. Now, the the dangerous thing before you mentioned the the completion percentage, it's scary because it's 
your completion percentage doesn't get better when you enter the NFL. Very mm-hmm. rarely does that happen. Usually yeah. it goes well, down. Well, because the defenses get better. Yeah, so it's starting, you know, at what? 56? Mm-hmm. Doesn't have much room to go down. Well, and I mean, the thing, and this is another thing that this plays into decision-making. When I've been watching him and kind of dissecting his film, the thing that I saw from him is, at first when I looked at it, I wanted to say, because I was kind of thinking player comp in my head. Yeah. At first, I'm like, this kid's got a little bit of Brett Favre in him, meaning gunslinger, guys triple covered, fuck it, I'm going to throw it kind of a thing. Yeah. Or I'm bootlegging out to the side, I'm not throwing it out of bounds, I'm going to try to hit my receiver with this strong arm. And there were some where I know Josh Jackson, cornerback at um, Iowa, made him pay for this. In the Boise game, he got paid for this and a safety from Utah State also made him pay for this of rolling out, looking down one receiver. There was one that he even pumped fake, too. He pumped and then threw it, and the safety still came over and said, nope, not falling for that pump, interception. Yeah. So, like, I look at that, and I go, like, in my head, I'm thinking to the top guys. You go against a Jalen Ramsey, who is one of the best corners in the game. I don't care what uh, Hayward from uh, Los Angeles says. You also have, if he goes up against the Vikings, Harrison Smith and Sandejo and Rhodes and Waynes, they'll have a field day with Josh Allen if he keeps doing that. That is a big concern with him is that when he played higher-level teams in college, he didn't play that well. Well, when you go to the NFL, competition only goes up. It doesn't go down. Yep. It's going to be tough of a, of a transition. I think this is a quarterback that can work in the NFL – he needs the right situation. That's what it comes down to. This isn't a number one overall. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter where he's going. He's going to make that team better. Uh, that's not what's going on here. He needs a good team to be a part of. Let me ask you this. Two-fold question. Okay. Number one, does Josh Allen, could you look into your crystal ball and see Josh Allen falling completely out of the first round? Yeah. Second off, do you think that's going to happen? That was not part of the question. Just do you think it's going to happen? That he falls completely out of the first round. No, I think somebody will probably take him in the first round, even if it's a team having to trade up. Here is part two. The low, without trades right now, just based off of the draft order. Yeah. Low, the lowest he falls, the lowest team he'll fall to. What's going to be the team that goes? We can't pass him up here. Probably Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. I got one team below that that I could see drafting him. The Vikings. If he gets to, not saying he's going to be, but if he gets to 30, the Vikings could sit there and go, we, we're not really sold on Case Keenum. We don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to come back. He's a guy that is really good at play action. I mean, I mean, come on, we've got Dalvin Cook coming back, and we've got Latavius Murray and McKinnon. We've got the backfield for him. We've got the wide receivers and the tight end for him to throw to. We just got to work with him for a year. Oh, wait, that's right. We, we we franchise tag Case Keenum. Let's go ahead and draft Josh Allen. If he gets to 30, that's the last team that I think would go. Like, there's no way he falls past 30 in my mind, especially if the Vikings franchise tag Case Keenum and keep him around for another sure. year. Sit him for the full year. Go ahead, then have, have Josh Allen be the guy to take over after another kind of gap year with Case Keenum. However, I think the 
absolute best fits for him, and I'll do mine first and then you'll do yours to end this, my absolute best fits, either the Ravens at 16 or I'm going to say the Redskins at 13 if they franchise tag Kirk Cousins. My mindset is Josh Allen needs to sit one year, needs to sit, needs to learn the speed of the game, needs to learn to make better decisions at the NFL level before you just go ahead and throw him in there. Could he be successful in Arizona, a Buffalo? Yes, but best fit, either a Ravens or a Redskins with Kirk Cousins. How about you? If I'm going to go purely on the he's going to sit and learn for a little bit, my best fit's the New York Giants. Well, it's whatever you think. Do you yeah. think he's going to have well, no. to sit? Do you think he can't play I right think, out? I think he's going to end up playing right out, okay. whether right or wrong. But if he was going to have to sit somewhere, New York's the best place to okay. do it. For the Jet, I'm sorry, for the Giants, my best one, even though I said the Jets first, uh, I'm going to say the best place for him really is Arizona. I think that's a mm-hmm. great place to be for any young quarterback because there's such a great safety net for you to where you can be successful uh, and you just have a great team and a good coach around you. I mean, and the thing that you sold me a little bit on Arizona, they got the defense and they've got the run game, especially David Johnson coming back from injury. Hopefully he'll be back to shape this upcoming year. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below. What do you think of Josh Allen so far? What do you think of the best fits for him in the NFL? Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. And also, thank you guys for either watching or listening the Onside Kick this week. A little housekeeping here at the end. Same thing I do at the beginning. Number one, if you like what we're doing here, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Help support the channel. Number two, if you have an iTunes account, you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and give the podcast a five-star rating. Also, if you want an MVP t-shirt, that information is also down below in the description. And last but not least, go ahead, check out mostvelpodcast.com. That's where you'll find everything that we'll ever post. You can go ahead, bookmark it, check it every day. Make sure you never miss any of the most valuable podcast content. want to thank you guys yet again for either watching on YouTube or listening on any podcast service around the world. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.